Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Let me just read this from A.W. Tozer. The average person in the world today without faith and without God and without hope is engaged in a desperate personal search throughout their lifetime. There are people on this campus this morning, that's you. You're searching. You're searching for purpose. I mean, you're not even sure what that is. Why will all of these people get saved tonight in Phoenix? Same exact principle all over the world. All around us, there are people empty inside who are seeking to know who they are. They want to know why they're here. And we know that there is an answer to those questions because we found the answer in a relationship with Jesus. But just as Zacchaeus probably heard from someone about Bartimaeus healing, we need to be witnesses of Jesus' work in our lives. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the wonderful work Jesus wants to do in everyone's life whether they realize that's who they need or not. He'll also be telling us about our need to embrace our role as witnesses. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke chapter 19, with part one of his message, God, what do you want me to do for you? morning. You can turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke, right there. Third one. So I just encourage you to do that. Now, I want you just before I get ready to teach, I want you to get a piece of paper and one of you, couples, whatever, get a piece of paper and a pencil or pen ready because I want to give you something I want to remind you to do tonight. Okay. I want to remind you to do this tonight. Now, in our world, as you know, if I mention the word, word Billy Graham, obviously 99% of the people have heard of Billy Graham, the great evangelist. Well, as you know, he's in his 90s. And there's another great evangelist. His name is Greg Laurie. And he is a Calvary Chapel pastor from California. has a great church and lots of campuses. And he actually, when Billy Graham got really difficult and, you know, make, keeping things together, he would actually rewrite his sermons and whatever and help him. But he has been doing this for many, many, many years. Greg did one in Dallas just a few months ago, and there were 85,000 people there. And the one evening, and from that people there, I think there was six to 8,000 people got saved there. And it's on all over the world, on the internet, whatever, at the end of that evening, 25,000 people accepted Jesus Christ. Think of that. And what happens is when you watch Greg present, by the way, the first maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes is all kinds of music. Some of it's a little more for the younger people, and some of it's more for the older people, but mostly younger people, because that's who's getting saved. 
tons and tons of young people under 20. I mean, just amazing. What you'll see at the end of the service, I get goosebumps even thinking about it right now. When we have people come down at Easter and get saved, we have all these people here. It's just one, you know, 100, 200. Can you imagine six or 7,000 people in front of you? And the cameras go through and they take a picture of these people. And many of them are just weeping. It's just unbelievable to see the life change. Now, I want to know how many of you have done geocaching? How many of you have done geocaching? Let me see your hand. Another dud audience. Okay. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what is geocaching? Notice there's a little goodie in this one. This one's going to be hidden under a rock. Can you imagine going into a bed of water with all these rocks and you're trying to find the one thing? Well, here's what geocaching is. It's kind of a high-tech treasure hunt. You use a smartphone that has GPS or a handheld GPS device, and you can go anywhere in the world. Linda and I were with some friends in Singapore, and we went all over Singapore. We're trying to find these things that have been planted over there, and we finally found it. It was, I don't know how in the world we found it, but it was from the GPS. And when you find it, you just take the little log that's down there, you write your name, and when you found it, you put the little gift back, and you go onto your phone and tell people you find it. And what happens, it's done all over the world. It's all free. In Brevard County, it is a big deal for families. We have geocaching all through Brevard County, and you can just do it free, so I just encourage you. It's fun. Head out to the parks, the place, the beach. You find all these things, and they're very creative, so just encourage you to do that. It's just a great adventure. Now, you say, well, Pastor Michael, like, do you own this, or why are you talking about this? No, you're searching for something. You're looking for something. Today, we're going to see that Jesus is talking about spiritual geocaching. He's looking for someone. Last week, we gave you the title of this. God said to us, what do you want me to do for you? God says, what do you want me to do for you? Today, I'm reversing it. God, I'm talking to God now. God, what do you want me to do for you? See, it's two-sided. God wants to do things for us. But we need to ask God, what do you want me to do for you? Now, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of things when we ask the people in the world that just is unique that God wants us to do for him. But all of them have to do with kind of a, they're based on one thing, obeying God, what he tells us to do. Now, we're going to start in verse 10 this morning, verse 10, Luke 19, and then I'll go back to verse one, because I want to give you The bottom line, the introduction, which will make sense as we go through our story. So here we are. Jesus speaking. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. In this one verse, Jesus gives us the mission for the church, for you and me. Remember, a mission statement simply states the purpose of an organization. You see that all over. Publix, where shopping, finish it with me, where shopping is a a pleasure. Aldi now is a cheaper pleasure. How many of you shop at Aldi? Let me see your hands. Yeah, see, you're way better than geocaching. You shop at Aldi. It's fantastic. Anyway, what is Jesus saying? What he's saying is, I came here for a purpose. Here's my mission. And if I'm a Christ follower, 
By nature, that's my mission. Here's the first thing you want to write down. Here's what it was. Jesus, this is the mission, came to seek out sinners, people that are lost, people that are far from God, share the good news and transform their lives, not just for here, but for all eternity. When Jesus picked his disciples, he went by four guys that were fishing, two different instances. And they knew instantly, they hadn't heard this before, they knew what the mission was. Let me read it to you. Just picture Jesus walking by and he's got the four disciples and he says this, come, it's found in Mark chapter one, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men, of people. See, that was very different. It was all about God and people and the use of our time. That's what the mission is. It's about lost people. Not to condemn lost people. It's to go to people and build them up and give them the answers to life. That's what the church is. Remember, we're here as a hospital to get people well spiritually. Jesus would be a kind of a role model for those next three years. He would show them how important people were. So we've called this VIO. And I want you to, if you've never written this down, if you don't have your bracelet, by the way, you can get a bracelet free. We presented this last August and I gave maybe seven or eight or nine teachings on it. I'm just going to summarize it this morning. Here's our mission. VIO. What does VIO stand for? Remember, it's not an Italian wine. Here we go. The value and impact of how many? Tell me. Put your, hand, put, your, put your finger up. How many? Come on. This will be all through the sermon. One. The one. The value and the impact of one. Jesus stopped in Jericho and there was one blind beggar there. How many? One. And that means he, at the end of his interaction with him, he could see and he could be ministered to from spiritual at the same time. The VIO is kind of two meanings. Here it is. The value you have as a Christ follower. In this particular situation, it was the value Jesus had. When Jesus had interacted with his blind Bartimaeus, I mean, his value was he was God. He could heal him physically and he can forgive his sins and heal him spiritually. So Jesus had great value. The value you have in the impact Jesus had on others. Now, the impact he had on the blind man was the blind man was saved and he was physically healed. What impact? Now, here's the second part of it. Look at the value of others you impacted and then their impact on others. Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus, one person, and that blind beggar's life and testimony would eventually interact others. That day, remember what he did. As he followed Jesus, he, the blind man, was the talk of the town. And all of a sudden, his testimony of what God did for him, Jesus would be long gone. It would spread out. Picture today a lake, nice smooth lake. And you've probably all done this. You find a nice flat rock and you want to go. And what do you see when it hits the water? Ripples everywhere. That's what VIO is. 
when we are impacted by salvation, we have an impact, our testimony, on many other people. Now think how you got here today. I got here because somebody shared the gospel with my great-grandparents and then my grandparents and my parents, and it came to me. And what am I doing? I'm sharing with you. The ripples continue for all of us. It started with somebody who was on mission that you probably don't even know because many of you were not born in a house with Christian parents. But somebody came to you and it happened because they were on mission. This is what we're talking about this morning. Now, why would Jesus on that morning last week stop for one, one blind beggar? Here's why. Look at the scripture. Second Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but tell me, every one to come to repentance. Write this down this morning. Everyone matters, and everyone is valuable to God. Now, why 8 billion people? Why does everyone matter? Because everyone is made in the image of God. There's nobody, we're all equal. We're all made in the image of God. And we were made to worship God and to spend eternity with him. But you know, sin and Satan came in to destroy that. So we have to be on mission because Satan is on mission to steal, to kill, and to destroy So we have to understand that. I don't want you to copy this, but this is Luke 19, verse 10, kind of broken down for you. We're going to answer the what and the who and the why. Don't try to write it down. Here we are. On this mission, what do we do? Remember, we said to God, what do you want me to do for you, God? Well, we seek people in order to find. We go after them. You know that most people aren't going to knock on your door or stop by your place at work and sit down at the desk next to you. Hey, uh, I've been watching you. Would you tell me how to be a Christian? If somebody came to your door and said, hey, we're new to the neighborhood. I heard you're a Christian. I'd like to come in and get saved. You died, but pass out probably on the floor. (laughs) And you'll see that Jesus usually goes to people. He's seeking them. That's what we're all about. Next, who do we seek? We don't seek believers. They're already Christians. We seek the lost. People who are far from God. People who are unbelievers or non-believers, however you want to say it. Now, why do we do that? To save. To save them from eternal separation. They need to be forgiven. So that is the what, the who, and the why of why we're on mission. And it explains it very simply. Now, One day, Jesus is overlooking Jerusalem. And the Jewish people weren't really interested. They didn't think he was the Messiah. And the scripture says this, that when he looked over the people, he said, they're sheep without a shepherd. It broke his heart. When Jesus sees a lost person, he's moved. Let me ask you, how do we see lost people? Well, man, that person really needs to get saved. Well, 
Do we look at him with love or as the enemy? So you're going to watch Jesus. He has his eyes on them. Now, remember, the whole thing is to save them. When you go out to lunch this afternoon or go shopping or do whatever at Publix or Aldi or wherever you shop, and you look at a person's eyes, and we don't know whether they're a believer or not, but if they're not a Christian, that person's soul will end up in hell unless they change. We don't see how personal it is. That's why Jesus always very often had just one. Because everyone matters. Now, when you see that working, look at verse 1. Let's go back to 1. 19, 1. Here we are. And Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. Now, we learned the reason Jesus is going through Jericho, because God directed him. Write this down this morning. The necessity of being led by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus just didn't do life. He did life being directed by God. Now, when you see Jesus being directed to Jericho, let's just remind ourselves where we're at. Last week, he was in Jericho. He's heading out of Jericho. He, we don't know how far it went, maybe a mile or two. And the next stop, Jericho would be the last big city he would be in before he hits Jerusalem. And when he hits Jerusalem, it's the cross. So this is his last stop in a major city other than Jerusalem. Shortly, he'll be there. So he stays on mission from the beginning to his four disciples. Come on, we're going to fish for people. Here he is at the very end, still fishing for people. Now, verse two, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector And he was wealthy. Now, Jericho was one of the greatest taxation centers in Israel. Now, remember, he's a rich man. He'd reached the top of his profession. And he was hated by the Jews. He was Jewish. But what happened is Rome was ruling Israel. And they would tax the people. Number one, the Jews hated that. They should be ruling. But they were taken over by Rome. And Then the Romans would use Jewish tax collectors to collect the money from fellow Jews. The problem was most of them took your money and they put a percentage right here. And the Jewish people knew it. What are you? You're one of, you're not one of us. And so they were hated because they cheated the people and as well as gave money to the Romans. Now, notice what you see here. Verse three. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Why did this very rich man, Zacchaeus, want to see Jesus? Well, earlier in the day, he had a tweet. I don't know where that came from. No, uh, and it wasn't the president. You can think in this town, it's not far away from each other. They're in just maybe, you know, a mile or two from what had happened earlier that morning. A blind man received his sight. And he was actually following Jesus. So he's with Jesus and lots of other people. See, that word spread how quick? Like crazy. There's your impact. The impact of this blind man got who excited? Zacchaeus. Plus, he'd heard of Jesus. As a tax collector, 
everybody walked by you and you'd hear all the things. So he is absolutely thinking about, okay, this is a good day. This is a good day. He knew because of history, if he could get in an encounter with Jesus, his life would change. Now, why would he want his life to change? He's at the top of his game. He's got the best house in time. He's got money. He's got a super job. Well, he was empty. He was lonely. He was guilty. He's afraid of death. None of that ever satisfies. An unbeliever realizes at some point, no matter what you try to stuff in your life, doesn't matter. People, places, thing, money, whatever. Pride, it doesn't fill a spot. That's only for God. You were created to know God. And unless you have a personal relationship, nothing will ultimately satisfy. And that's where Zacchaeus is. So he wants to see Jesus. Let me just read this from A.W. Tozer. The average person in the world today without faith and without God and without hope is engaged in a desperate personal search throughout their lifetime. There are people on this campus this morning. That's you. You're searching. You're searching for purpose. I mean, you're not even sure what that is. Why will all of these people get saved tonight in Phoenix? Same exact principle all over the world. It doesn't matter. Now, look at the last part of verse 3. This passage, 19, is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Let's look at verse 3. But because of the crowd, he wanted to see Jesus, but because of the crowd, he was short. Is there something to laugh at or what? I'm sure he was shorter than me. He was, he was short and he could not see the crowd. You see, the crowd was huge. At no doubt pushing each other. And Zacchaeus was short. So this is the way it looked. Here's the crowd. Here's Zacchaeus. You say, Pastor Mark, how do you know? Been there. When I was a kid, I had to get on dad's shoulders. Later, I get one of them suckers like that. I could see. Why the crowd? The crowd was good. But sometimes, you know what happens? Satan will do whatever he can to keep us from meeting Jesus. What is the crowd that keeps people from meeting Jesus today? Lots of stuff. But I'll give you a, a live story that I just heard this past Thursday. We have a person who's on staff now at our church, a pastor. A few years ago was not. And he gave his testimony. And his testimony was about driving by this church, not a part of this church at all. And here's what he said. When he drove by, well, let me preface it with one thing. The average sized church in America, just take the average church, not average in putting all the churches together, but the average church in America, except the mega churches or whatever, is 75 people. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of our value to God. We need to remember that God values everyone as much as he values us. From the homeless guy that we avoid to the politician that we despise, Jesus died for all of them. Because of the value God has placed on them, having been made in his image, we need to help them find their way to Jesus. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, we'll continue the sermon, God, What Do You Want Me to Do for You? Pastor Mark will continue to teach about the value each person has to God and our need to tell people about Jesus. Pastor Mark will expand on the concept of VIO, the value and impact of one, and try to help us understand our need to see people not as people, but as individuals. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.